The Rebbe spoke the great significance of Zeis Hanukkah. Zeis Hanukkah on its own, many, many people will tell you many different Pirushim on Zeis Hanukkah. My lifestyle goes a little funny. I was on your block tonight, by the way, today in the morning. Yeah, somebody sitting on Skype. I was on your block. I almost came for lunch. Nobody was home. My dentist is on that block. I went to the dentist because I felt like my teeth were coming out of my mouth. And he said, no, there's nothing wrong with the teeth. He took an x-ray. Today, by the way, oh boy, one second. Today, by the way, if you want to, uh, I don't know when was the last time you went to a dentist. But today, the dentists, in the olden days, they used to take x-rays in your teeth. And they used to take it to a little machine. They used to develop the x-ray. Today, it's modern technology. The little x-ray thing they put into your mouth. They have a screen, a computer screen. And it's like they scanned your mouth. Samoyedik, hafladik. And your teeth come up on the screen. <coughs> so he x-rayed and he doesn't see any problem with that tooth. But he did find I have a sinus infection in my gum. Which explains the discomfort or the pain or whatever. Okay. The Revaila, we had to wait for other x-rays or whatever else we were waiting for. So, oh, excuse me, he found a problem with another tooth that he had to fill. So while so the Revaila, he had to give an injection. The tooth is a chnishta, it's not filling by itself. <laughs> not filling by itself. So he, he had to give me an injection because the problem with the food, the filling had to be done was under the gum. All right. Kids are waiting for the injection to take place. So he said, we talked about Zeis Hanukkah. Hanukkah, as you know, from the word Bebetach, 
Bibetach is the four times a year that we finish the entire halal. Bibetach is Bez, Bez, Tes, Ches. Is the two days of Pesach, two days of Shavuos, the nine days of Sukkis, and the eight days of Hanukkah. There are eight days, though, in the course of the year. Okay. There are eight days in the course of the year that we don't say the whole halal. Eight days that we don't say the whole halal. To be misakin those eight days, as the corner for those eight days, we say halal through all the days of Hanukkah. The days that are missing halal, including the days of Rosh Hashanah, the eighth day of which we are missing, Zayitzchan, comes out, coincide with Zayitz Hanukkah. And therefore, on Zayitz Hanukkah, would coincide with the day of Yom Kippur. On Hanukkah in general, we spoke last week of the 44 Licht of Hanukkah. But the 44 Licht of Hanukkah <coughs> really consists of the 36 Licht and the 8 Shamashim. Hey, that in essence we light 36 Licht on Hanukkah. The, there's a custom, and there were those people that were very, very strict about this custom, and they wore Big Day Shabbos on Zayis Hanukkah, and aside from wearing Big Day Shabbos on Zayis Hanukkah, they said, Mizmah Seder, the Bel Zerebbe, and they also would not work on Zayis Hanukkah. What is the union of Mizmah Seder? The word loy can be written Lamed Vav, Lamed Aleph. We know the famous word, you're not going to have a cooking, and it's good from the freezer. We spoke many times about the Aseris of Dibris. Very important when the Balkhara reads Aseris Dibris, look in the Chumash. Why? Because the word Loi, written with a Vav, written with an Aleph. Some people, when they heard the reading of Loi Signev, It said, Loi Signev Loi is written with an Aleph, with a Vav. From him you should steal. 
So they said the lamid the the was written with a vav, not with an aleph. That's why Daf kept looking to the siddha into the chumash. So you see that lay is written with an aleph. Hey, the lay baruch The word lay. Could be with a vav, could be with an aleph. Could be with a vav, could be with an aleph. Lay <coughs> with a vav is thirty-six, which is the thirty-six days, thirty-six candles of Hanukkah. Lay with an aleph and lay with a vav is the words L. L is a preparation for the month of Tishrei. What does the Seda, the carbon Teda, have to do with the last day of Hanukkah? <coughs> we spoke last week. About Chedesh Nisan stealing the thunder. The Meish Rabbeinu built the Mishkan. Ultimately it was completed on Chafei Kislev. But the Abish to reserve the Chanukah Samizbe'a Mishkan for Chedesh Nisan. And the Abish to repays it later in the story of Chanukah where the rededication of the Bismikdash is on Chafei Kislev. We see, therefore, that Chafei Kislev was the rededication of the Bismikdash, as the story of Hanukkah goes. However, the rededication didn't really take place that day. The conquering and the win, the, the, the victory of the actual battle took place on Chafei Kislev. On Chafei Kislev they discovered the oil. And they saw, therefore, that they needed eight days to rededicate the Mishmikdash. So therefore it was on Zeitz Hanukkah that ultimately the Mishmikdash was re dedicated and that we see why the reason another reason that it's called Zeitz Hanukkah is because Zeitz Hanukkah Sam is Be'ach that the Zeitz Hanukkah is that it's in Zeitz Hanukkah that this thing took place so he says therefore that the person taking the loy and the loy of his life taking the concept of loy of belittling himself and using also the Indian of Loi, that he is something that he has to become, he has to become the reach to ascertain and to achieve the level of 36. As we know, the 36 Sadiqim in the world will keep the world going. Therefore, <coughs> by coming through, coming on to the idea of Elul, and I must apologize to my dentist in case I misquoted or didn't exactly get word for word verbatim. 
I was lying horizontally when he was telling this to me. We have to just stuck an injection into my mouth. It's interesting how dentists always like to talk with both hands in your mouth. They put both hands in your mouth, and they're drilling, and they're zetzing, and they ask you a question. You didn't really expect me to answer that. I think I'm a ventriloquist. But as if By that fabric, I'm not a Shabbos Kedish, Pashas Miket, Tavshin Memvov. They never began by discussing the idea of understanding what Hanukkah is all about. Firstly, the Rebbe says, let us take the name Hanukkah, as it's known. That the union of a name according to the Teda, in our case the name of Hanukkah, is the name that it was given in Lashon HaKadosh, in the holy language. What does it do? It brings out the Teichen and the Mahus. It brings out the actual essence of the idea that is being called with this name. And therefore it's very imperative that a person realizes how important it is to be called by their Hebrew name. And the famous story which we again discussed before already about the person that fainted and Hashem said to whisper his name and his father's name into his ear. And when they did so, the person uh, revived. And he said, because you're calling the etzim of the person, you're calling the actual essence. Therefore, says the Rebbe, Teresh Shabbat in the oral law, it is explained, just like the general in of Hanukkah is a mitzvah that the sages have put forth to us, put forth to us, and as we know, <coughs> they took the name itself, Hanukkah, and they made an acronym, Erashetavis, which is Ches Nedes Valacha Kibes Hillel, the letters Hanukkah, Ches, Nun, Vav, Chaf, Hey are an acronym that stands for Eight Candles and the Halachas according to Basil. And therefore we have a general knowledge, a general acceptance of Hanukkah by the eighth day, the culmination of the eighth day. The Rebbe went on to speak about the eighth candle, eight candles. The number of eight shows on the greatness of the candles of Hanukkah. Even greater than the candles of the Beis Hamikdash. As we know, in the Beis Hamikdash there were only seven candles in the menorah. But the menorah of Hanukkah has eight. And this we also find in the days of Mashiach that the number of eight will supersede, of course, number of seven. As we find in the harp, the kinner, in the Migdash had seven strands, and in the time of Mashiach will have eight. Another connection, says the Rebbe, of the eight candles of Hanukkah, with the eight strands of the harp, is brought down in the Haftarah of Shabbos Hanukkah. On Shabbos, every Shabbos we read from the Torah portion, 
And thereafter there's read a Haftarah. The reason for the Haftarah we spoke once when there was a Gzera, a decree against the Jews about using, about reading the Tera, they had to figure out a way to go around that. And what they did therefore was they went through the Nach, through the Neviim and the Ksuvim, the Prophets and the Scriptures, and there they found related material to the Parsha Shavuot, to the portion of the week. Thereby, reading that only on that Shabbos, so that something of the portion of the Torah should be related to. However, when it comes to Shabbos Hanukkah, although we read the Parsha, either Mikates or another Parsha, the Haftarah is related directly to Hanukkah. <coughs> and the Haftarah is called Rani Vesimchi. I will rejoice and I will be happy. Because again, the Kinor, the harp, is one of the the instruments which they sang in the Besamidash. And what was an instrument, what is the idea of an instrument to make happy and to rejoice? The Rebbe continued. The concept of the miracle of Hanukkah, although it was with the Menorah and the Besamidash, which only had seven lights, but still in all, because the concept of this miracle came from above, it brought about an a elevated idea, which even more than the shlemus, the completion of the Beis Hamidrash, which was... <coughs> <laughs> to light eight candles. Of course, needless to say, nothing has to changed. The lighting of the seven light candles in the middle of the nothing was changed there except for the, we say in the Avalanism, that the candles were lit in the courtyard of your holiness. And everybody asks, this cannot possibly refer to the actual Menorah of the Beis Hamidosh. Because the Menorah of the Beis Hamidosh belonged in the Hechel, which is the inner sanctuary, not in the courtyard. So what they lit, in, uh, therefore, in essence, was a different candelabra entirely. And that's why this candelabra was lit, lit in the Chatzis Kachacha. That's one of the idea, one of the explanations to this. There's other explanations that they actually went in and took the actual menorah out of the court, of the inner sanctuary and brought it to the courtyard because anybody is allowed to light the menorah. But if it's in the sanctuary, they could not. But here the Rebbe is referring to that it must have been a different Menorah.
Why do they light in the Chatzis Kachacha? They lit in order to praise and to rejoice. Hashem and those that say these candles that were lit were like the natives that we light today and the idea was just like the menorah is lit today on Hanukkah Pesach to the door out going out so that people should see it and it had eight. This also menorah was eight. Just like the menorahs that we light have eight candles to it. However, by us we light the first night one, and each day we add until the eighth day, which is today, which was today, we did all eight, which is according to the opinion of Basil. As we said before, the acronym of Hanukkah was Chitznedes Halachas Chvesil. This all comes about, says the Rebbe, through the introduction of the Neshama. The idea of the Neshama coming down into this world, the Yerida Tzedech Aliyah. The reason the Neshama comes into the world is so that it can be elevated. Prior to the Nes of Hanukkah, with Matzah, the situation of the world was very bad. They were very low. As we see, Alanism, we say in the Alanism that the Amdamachas Yavum Nersha, Alam Chisal Ashkikim Tresach Avinu Chisrecha, that the Malchus Yavan, the kingdom of Yavan, of Greeks, the wicked one, stood up to destroy the Jewish nation. And we had what to worry about. We were scared. They were gibbeidim, they were strong, they were many. Whereas the Jews were weak and few. So much so, that they entered into the Hechel. They entered into the sanctuary, which is the lowest way that we can be demeaned. But through the actual abnegation, the Mesiris Nefesh, to be Mekayim Teda, to to fulfill the words of Torah and the laws of what God wants, we, were, we merited the miracle, a physical miracle, a victory in a battle, which according to nature was not possible. But it was such a great miracle that the big armies fell to the small and the strong fell to the weak, etc., and then we say in Alanism, they cleaned out the Hechel, they purified the sanctuary, and they lit the candles in the courtyard. Eight candles. This is therefore how we see Yerida Tzedakhaliyah. We need to go down, it has to come all the way down To get to achieve a level that is much higher than we were even before when it started. As we see, the eight number, the number of eight candles is a number that will never be nullified. 
Not like in the Menorah and the Beis which is yes nullified, because after the Churm and the Beis we no longer have the seven. And so much more so, this is a preparation for the complete days of Mashiach, where the Kinar will be, the harp will have eight strands, in a higher level, that will only then be a full and complete cycle, more than it was in the time of the Shlema, in the first base of the exception of the second. And that's a lesson to us, how we have to behave in today's world. And we have to realize that we have to overcome all the obstacles that come about with Torah, with learning Torah, with doing mitzvahs. And we have to live the life. And we go as a child and a messenger of the Abishta to live a daily life on a daily basis according to the Ratzon of God. And Torah guaranteed us that you try, you will succeed. Where there's a will, there's a relative. Uh, there's a way. And the person will definitely succeed in doing what they have to and fulfill their mission. And even more so, the general situation of coming down into this exile is a Yerida Tzedek Aliyah, and therefore through our work, through our service to the Abishta, we'll be merit, we will merit to the completion of the days of Mashiach. And just like through Messiah's Nefesh in the time of Hanukkah, we will also be zeichet to the eight candles, as it is in the Achana of the eight strands of the, of the harp in the days of Mashiach of Shemayin Nimin. That is basically the union of Zeis Hanukkah. <coughs> One of the ideas of Zeis Hanukkah since the Machlekes, since the argument, since the debate between Hillel and Shammai is of Hefza or Gavra, which is a tremendous, which is a very, very scholarly discourse of, of thoughts, of going back and forth, do we go the first day one or the first day eight? Do we say that the first day holds the entire Hanukkah within it and then therefore dissipates and distributes the rest of the days? Or do we say no, that the first day of Hanukkah begins the light and each day until it culminates in the eighth day and the eighth day we now have reached and achieved and ascertained where we had to go. And that is what we see today on the eighth day as we have all of the eight candles lighting together and they all coexist one with the other. We'll now turn a little bit of focus to our Parsha. Parsha's Vayigash. The ice broke. The ice broke and they're all crying in Egypt. But one more step before that all took place. Yosef takes Binyamin as a captured. He captures and he imprisons Binyamin. Tells us the Pasuk, and this is the name of the Pasha, Vayigash Elav Yehuda, and Yehuda approaches Yosef. What did he tell him? 
It just says, Then it says, Why did he have to get close to him? Because he was whispering something in his ear. Why did he whisper in his ear? He said, My friend, there's a fact in our land that if someone is caught stealing, they get they got to pay for it. And there's a price they pay. There's a penalty they pay. But, if they can't pay the penalty, they're sold. No. This fellow comes from a wealthy family. He'll pay his bill. Bug off. What were you thinking, Yehuda? How do you tell that to the king, to the viceroy? You're teaching him Jewish law in Egypt? Yehuda was a sharp cookie. Yehuda tells, tells Yosef, listen here, buddy. I read up on the bylaws of Egyptian kings, Egyptian pharaohs. According to the bylaws of the pharaoh, the pharaoh has to speak every language. And not you and all your buddy, pharaoh, Speaks Hebrew. We have to get translators for you. Since you don't speak Hebrew, you're not keeping your laws. Either you learn Hebrew quick, or get off the throne, because you don't belong there. If you're not, if you don't speak the language, you can't be on the throne. LMI. If you don't keep the laws of your land in that way, who knows what else you don't keep? So if you don't keep anyway the laws, let me teach you my laws. Because we keep our laws. And in my laws, if a slave, if a person steals, they have to pay with a penalty. They can't pay, sell them. And this boy can pay. You gotta let him out. In essence, Yehuda was telling Yasef, you have to listen to our laws because you don't listen to Egyptian laws anyway. No. Another little twist to this. There's an illness called kleptomania. Kleptomaniac has to go for many, many years of therapy before they can mingle in society. The kleptomaniac has sticky fingers. They just have to steal. It's a sickness. They come into a store, they come into a, they have to take something. So I came with that terrible sickness. And there are people that didn't know that their spouse had that problem. In the beginning, 
We used to pay the bills until finally the, we got a divorce from it. So the difference between a kleptomaniac and a common thief. The kleptomaniac might have the means, might be able to pay for this on their own. But they just naturally have to steal it. The Ganef, on the turn, <coughs> has no money, has no food. He's going and he's stealing a loaf of bread. He's stealing something valuable, he can sell it so he can get money for food. He can pay his clothes, pay for rent. This person has to be set straight. This person has to be thrown back into society eventually. The kleptomaniac we can't sell as a slave. Who's going to buy a kleptomaniac? You're going to have your house cleaned out. Not cleaned up, cleaned out. However, a regular ganif, that Nebuch society failed him, or the economy failed him, and he didn't have what to live off of, by coming into his master's house, his master can train him how to get a proper job. His master can set him up on his feet so that ultimately he can rejoin re, re society. Yudha tells Yosef, Either way, if you think he's a kleptomaniac, you don't want him in your palace. If you think he's just a common thief, charge him for what he took. If he can't pay, you sell him. <coughs> you heard the discussion, very logical thoughts. But Yehuda was a little forceful when he did it. Yehuda stepped forward, and Medrash tells us he slammed his foot down so hard that Pisim and Ramses fell in. Whole cities in Egypt collapsed. Yehuda then threw forth his chest and the hair on his chest tore through his armor to, throw, to show what kind of person he was, how strong he was. Immediately Yasef didn't blink an eye, didn't flinch. With a snap of his fingers, these two young kids, Ephraim and Menashe, stepped forward and sent Yehuda flying. Yehuda was shocked because such strength only Bnei Yaakov have. Only the children of Jacob could have such strength. But who could these children be? In the interim, he found out that force is not working. He can't threaten this guy. He doesn't get scared. So we read the continu- continuation of the Pasuk. And he says to him, Please don't get angry at your servant. You're just like Pari. Now, the truth of the matter is, 
It was a Jewish compliment. It was a Jewish compliment in that, I don't know, any of you ever listened to Yiddish-speaking comedians, but Jigen explained the, con- the concept of diplomacy. Diplomatish. He says, he asks his friend, was macht ihr machen sollte von der Zaten? He says he wished his friend once to have a house with a hundred bedrooms. And each bedroom should have room for a hundred beds. Had he stopped at that point, his friend would have been very, very happy for such a blessing. But he didn't stop. He then said, You should turn and turn and roll from one bed to the next the whole night long. Hundred bedrooms with a hundred beds in it. That's quite a feat. <coughs> so when he tells him he wasn't necessarily complimenting him. It was a Jewish compliment. Question the Rebbe asks Yehuda was a king, he was a politician. He wasn't a fool. We all know in the world of politics, first you try with good, and it doesn't go, then you, then you get stern. First you come with a nice saying, you bring a bouquet of flowers, you bring some chocolate. As a gateness, you take your bat. Yehuda doesn't do that. Yehuda comes in with all the guns blaring, flaring, glaring, screaming and yelling and throwing his chest out and smashing the cities down. It doesn't work. He starts to try to... Mister, you burnt your bridge. He doesn't want to talk to you now. You just destroyed half of Egypt. He had to teach you a lesson. He had to put you in a place. Ah. The Rebbe says, when a person is fucking with that, oh, the internet going down. If I came to a person slams his hand in a door. person slams his hand in a door, a car door, whatever. Did you ever see it happen? Everybody saw sometime or another something like that happen. Or stub the foot. Come here. Your charger goes to this. Yeah. Yeah? Hi, it's okay. What I need it. Because. When a person slams the hand in the door, they don't react. They don't say, oh my gosh, hand. Your fingers are totally disformed. Look at you. You're bleeding from all sides. Oh my gosh. Do you think you should hurt? Maybe you shouldn't hurt. Maybe we can talk this through. And when that doesn't work, you see the person start screaming, Hatola, help! No. The person slams the hand of the door. They start screaming. Before they even know the damage that was done, before they even take the hand out, or before they even look at the hand, they're screaming and yelling in my hand. <laughs> this lady, <coughs> totally off color. This lady was driving a brand new Porsche. For those of you who don't know, it's a very expensive car. And she had outside the window, she was flashing 
a diamond-studded Rolex. He's driving with a hand outside the window. A truck drives by, smashes the side of the car, and takes off her arm. No. Cap comes. The car is all smashed. She gets out and she's screaming, yelling, my brand new Porsche, my brand, look what he did to my Porsche, look what he did to my car, my $160,000 car, look what he did to my Porsche. And the cop says, lady, lady, are you Meshiga? She says, what do you mean my Meshiga? My Porsche, look at my Porsche. Lady, you're so involved with your Porsche, you don't even realize the guy knocked your arm off? You're bleeding to death. She looks down at the stump of what used to be her arm, and she looks down and she says, oh my gosh, my Rolex. It didn't bother her that her arm was cut off. She lost her Rolex. Rebbe says, I stood very shreitman. When it hurts, we scream. Yehuda's brother was in prison. He's not stopping until his brother is released. And for this he screamed. For this he came forth because the reaction could not be negotiable. The reaction could not be politically correct. The reaction had to be screaming and yelling, Vayigash Elav Yehuda. We find a few emotional reunions in this week's parsha. Yosef and Binyamin. They fall on each other's shoulders and cry for one another. And Rashi tells us a very, very, very powerful lesson. Yosef was not crying because look what happened to me. Binyamin was not crying that his mother was dead. Yosef was crying for Binyamin and Binyamin was crying for Yosef. Each one was crying for the destruction that would happen to the other one's land. Each one was crying for the destruction of the Holy Temple that would be on this one's mount. Each one was crying for the second one's problems. But then we find a very, very emotional... Reunion. After 22 years, Yosef and Yaakov unite. Yosef and Yaakov unite. Yosef says, falls on his father's shoulders and cries. Yaakov does not say cried. Yosef kissed his father, but his father does not kiss him. The Bechamish, the Mikra, reads the Pasuk and says, Listen, Yosef, 14 years at least you could have written to your father and said you were alive. You made him suffer for all those years. He knew you were powerful enough to get to him or to bring him or to come to him. You want him to kiss you now? He's fuming mad at you. 
And Rashi says, what was Yaakov Avinu doing? As Yaakov reached Yosef, Yaakov was saying, Shema Yisrael. Yaakov saw the amount of love that welled up within him and said, although it's love for my son, I want to channel it to something more spiritual. I want to channel this love to Hashem. And therefore I'm going to say the Shema Yisrael, channeling all the love that's within me to the Eivishter. And he doesn't kiss Yosef. The Rebbe Rashab gave his only son, Fidik Rebbe, when he was four years old, a maima. Marab Masecha was the beginning of the title of the Maimer. And he told his son this is a Hasidic Kush. It's a Hasidic Kiss. And I'll explain to you later. Years later he explained that the Rebbe Rashab was learning with another person and they were sitting and learning and in the study of the Rebbe Rashab was the cradle bed of the Friedrich Rebbe Friedrich Rebbe apparently was a very very beautiful little child and the Chavrusa com- commented on how beautiful the child looked how it must reflect on his inner Matthias, on his inner essence. And the Rebbe Rashab looked at the child and was welded with love. And out of pure love, he wanted to kiss his child. He wanted to kiss the Friedrich Rebbe. He decided to take this love to a spiritual level instead. And he sat down and wrote a maima. A maima of Chassidus a Hasidic discourse. And he translated, he brought out the love rather than kissing his child in this transcript. And that was how he gave him a Hasidic kush in a maimah. Para hears that they've come to town, the Jews are here. Pare sends them Yayin Yoshon, old wine. <laughs> Why? What significance is it? Why does the Taylor tell us this? If we do the numerical value of the Gematria of the words Yayin Yoshon, we come up with 430, which is the years that the Jews suffered in Mitzrayim. Yosef 
has to prove to his father that he's Yosef. Firstly, he sends him the wagons. Because the thing, the last halachas that he was learning with his father, amongst the last halachas, were about the Nasiim, being their kabanas, and each one brought their own kabanas, but they shared wagons. Why do they share wagons? To show their achtos, to show their unity. Here too, he did half the wagons <coughs> to show his father this is what he had learned from him. And the message he sent to his father was the last ultimate halacha that he lent with him, which was Egla Rufa. The law of the Egla Rufa is the calf that had to be sacrificed if a person was found dead between two cities and they did not know which city it belongs to. And they measure the city closer. We've discussed this before. And therefore he brings that up in front of his father as well. (coughs) Yosef asks again, Ani Yosef ha'id avichai. How many times are you going to tell you your father's alive? There wasn't a question. Ani Yosef. You don't believe me, I'm Yosef. Ha'id avichai, I asked you about my father if he's still alive. I didn't ask about my mother. I know I have no mother. I asked only about my father. To prove to you, only Yosef could say he has no mother. And Yosef then has to go on to tell his brothers many different proofs. When Yaakovinu hears, Eid Yosef Chai, it would be sufficient for him to have heard Eid bin That son that you had thought was dead is still alive. Why did it have to say Eid Yosef Chai? But what do they tell him? They say Yosef is alive and he is ruling in Egypt. 22 years the man doesn't see his son. You think he cares what his son is doing for a living? He wants to know his son is still alive. The fact that his son was still alive was by him more than worth anything else. Why do you have to tell him? The message they told him was, Yosef is still alive. And not enough that he's alive. Habi Yasef Bashukti Gemara tells us there are many people called Yasef in the market. 
But who Meshul on Mitzrayim? Not Mitzrayim was Meshul on him. Not Mitzrayim affected him. Not because he was in Egypt, he became an Egyptian. But Yasef Meshul. Yasef ruled over them. This is what Yaakov was more concerned than anything else. And he says it also, Yosef. And Yosef, Achichem, Yosef, your brother, Ashemachartem, Yosef, you sold me into Mitzrayim. <coughs> the Abishah tells Yaakov, go down to Mitzrayim. Anechi edit imcha, Mitzrayim, Vanechi alecha gam olei. And I will bring you up as well. Anechi alecha would be enough. I'll bring you up. What does the gam oloi mean? In the worlds of gematria, aleph is one, base is two, etc. There's also letters get exchanged for one another. It's called adbash. Adbash goes the first and the last letter of the aleph, base, aleph and tough exchange. Base and shin, gimel and resh, etc. Thereby, the word gum would be changed with the letters Reish Yud. And the letters Aloy would be the letters Zion, Chof, and Tzadik. The Abish is saying, do not worry about going down for Gam, Gam which we said exchanged for 200, for Asian Yud which is 210 years because they will only be enslaved for 116 years Allah as we just said exchanged the letters Zayin, Chaf and Tzadik Tzadik is 90, Chaf is 20 is 110 and Zion is 117. In the 117th year, Allah, you will already be out. You will only be working for 116 years. Pari has the audacity to ask Yaakov. He says, Shalom Aleichem Yaakov. And he says, you look really old. How old are you? <laughs> That's a Shalom Aleichem. Tell him about his son. Tell him a little bit of PTA. How great his son is. How special his son is. How fantastic he is. How wonderful he is. How accomplished he is. How much he knows. And then talk, uh, other things. And then ultimately you come about with this. <laughs> How old are you? During the seven years of, of drought, there was never rain in Mitzrayim anyway. How did Mitzrayim get irrigation? They got irrigated through the Nilus. The Nilus used to flood. The Nilus would flow over and thereby... 
putting water on everything that was needed, plants and everything. Till Yaakov showed up, there was no irrigation. Yaakov shows up, and the water starts to flow again. The water starts to flow again. Pharaoh was very excited. Pharaoh was worried, though. He looked like an old man. How long is he going to live? If he doesn't live long, what does it help me? Only for a few months. So he asked him how old he is. Don't worry about it. My parents died much older. Today I'd like to just say a can't say a hesped on the person per se. Very chosheva chosid that was nifted today, who didn't live up to that. He lives nifted only 83 years old. His father was nifted only a few years ago at 107. Barely a yasam nebuch, only a few years. And nebuch is nifted. So it's a Svihesh, the Chaim, Svihesh bin Yehuda, Shomazan Aliyah, and Zanagutabet, Father Mishpacha. He was sorely missed, sorely missed, a very big Baltzadok, a very kind person. But again, the bottom line here that we have is that the goal is not to go into Mitzrayim. But the going down into Mitzrayim was so that we can rise up above it, that we can rise up beyond it, and that we can ultimately be Zecha to the Geula Amitaz Vashlema, and we will be able to say that Shivrulanu Ma'atechel will break everything through, all the concepts of physical world will break through. And this Shabbos is Hey Tevis, and Hey Tevis is a day of a Yom Tif of Didan Notzach, of the Dinad Notzach that the Rebbe brought down in the Medrash, of the Shindalids that were fighting in a town, destroying a town, and they went out to the certain, not going to go into the whole Gemara, the whole Medrash, they went out to a certain force, they came out to the waters, and everybody was told to cry out, Didan Notzach, and they banged in the water and they saw in the water blood. And they knew that they had killed the Shindalids. And this too will be Zecha this very Shabbos on Hey Tavis once again to the idea of Didan Notzach. And just as the Nitzachim of the Rebbe and the Svarim being returned to the Rebbe's library, the Abishta, the father of the children, will return his children to Yerushalayim Irakaydesh. And it will be Zeche, Gizunta Heit, Mitzrayla Herza, to go and to march this very Shabbos to the Shalai Mirakadesh. Good Shabbos to all.